guys, buckle up for another episode of Below the Iceberg, the one and only podcast where we talk to real life Two Comma Club winners. Now, whether you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, a wannabe entrepreneur, or you've been in business for a while, you're sure to pick up some tidbits of actionable advice from these million dollar entrepreneurs. Now, if you're new around here and you don't know what a Two Comma Club is, it is where somebody has built a funnel inside the ClickFunnels software and sold $1 million through just that one funnel, which is absolutely a fantastic achievement. Now, in today's episode, I'm really excited to be talking with an ex-SAS soldier who unexpectedly catapulted himself into the world of marketing. Now, he helped Musical You create a system that achieved them the Two Comma Club. Now, this week's guest is Adam Liet. So let's dive in and find out what Musical You does and how they achieve the Two Comma Club Award with Adam's systems. Welcome, Adam, to Below the Iceberg. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Polly. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Um, thank you for taking time out of your day and absolutely amazing that you've got a two comma club and I can see it on the wall behind you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was one of the most proud days of my life when I was able to put that behind my my little backdrop here is, is amazing uh, receiving is, that in the mail. It is an awesome achievement. So you got that with Musical You, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, Musical U is a London-based music education company. I was the director of operations for that company for just about five years and um, really helped build the company into what it is now. And just recently was able to delegate all of my daily responsibilities to another team member. Uh, so I have a very part-time role at the company now as I pursue an entrepreneurial vision of really helping entrepreneurs build the operations required to get that on their wall because it's right. there's awesome. the ads management that's one side of it but there's so much more that goes into earning that award and scaling your business to that level than what's on the surface awesome so we can dig in and find out a bit more about that then so let's just do a little bit of a rewind so musical you when did you get the award when did you um realize that you hit the two comma club we hit it in March of this year, so about March. five months ago. All right, awesome. And were you, was it a goal to get the Two Comma Club? It was, actually. Uh, there's a good story behind that. Uh, I can expand upon if you'd like. Yes, please do, yes. So it really all stemmed from when the world went on lockdown in March of 2020. And if we remember, like, no one was really sure how that was going to shake out. And a lot of people in our niche in the music industry kind of went quiet for a little bit and Christopher who's the founder of Musical You uh Christopher and I gosh we spent probably 15 hours on Zoom in one single day because wow. we decided like no <laughs> way are we sitting down no way are we going silent people need music now more than ever yeah so we we leaned into it as hard as we could uh launched about six new initiatives in a single day including seeing like what we could do on paid ads because we already saw the tea leaves what what was happening to traffic what was happening then to cost per cpm i mean costs were going through the floor so we really decided like this is going to be our moment we're going to own this and really just take over the industry at this time so we launched like three simultaneous funnels at the same time to see which one caught fire and one of them did and we continued to build that over the next uh, really two years uh, to get to two comma. So it took you two years to achieve the two comma club. 
It did. Yes. Yeah. And what's what sort of funnel was it that you used that you won it with? So it was uh, straight to sale. Uh, so it was uh, mostly cold ads straight to a long form sales page. Uh, we incorporated, uh, there were about eight or nine different split tests we ran along the way with different OTOs. Uh, the winning formula, the one that ended up pulling us over the edge, uh, we had main offer, order bump, two different OTOs and a downsell. Uh, so multiple different options, all split tested through the <laughs> through the widgets, all the things that you can imagine you do along that kind of route. Um <laughs> But that's what ultimately pulled us over was just really having a really developed funnel with multiple upsells and a downsell for those that weren't quite ready for our highest level package. All right. Okay. And what was, so what was the package that you were selling? How much was it? Uh, if they took everything, it was a total package value of $749 from a front end offer of $49. So we were right, selling okay. a six week course on uh, it's, it's the course is called foundations of a musical mind, which is a Kodai based way of music learning, which for those of you who don't know about music or Kodai, uh, we all know the sound of music, uh, the, that wonderful movie from the 1960s, um, do a deer, a female deer, right, that's yeah. <laughs> solfege, which is kind of the root of the Kodai method. All right. Okay. So who was the audience then, or who is the audience for musical you? Our most passionate audience is really it's amateur musicians that had music as part of their lives in their childhood and had to hang up their guitar or their piano or whatever instrument they had to raise a family, to start their career. And kids are gone, careers going well, or they're retired, and they've always been passionate about music. So they pick up music again in their adult late adulthood and musical you is a place for them. So it's a place for the passionate amateur musician that doesn't have really any aspirations to be, you know, the next, you know, John Lennon or Paul McCartney <laughs> or Billy Joel, but just wants to play music because music is fun. And so that's really who we appeal to is just the, the passionate amateur musician. All right. Okay. And what, so what are they actually, what is the course? What do they learn from that then? Uh, the course really teaches a lot of the fundamental music education skills that get skipped in modern music education. It's really kind of a tragedy that Kodai isn't taught more broadly in music because when you learn from that method, and I'm a professional music musician by background, that was my oh, original right. career. Um, when you learn from this method, music becomes a part of you. It becomes part of your spirit, part of your soul. You live music. It bleeds through your veins. Um, when you learn from this method, you can feel music. You can feel the pitches and the intervals and the melodies, and it just becomes part of you. And so that's really what we teach is the idea that music is for everybody. It's someone that something that can be experienced by everyone. And it's just such a thrill to see people that never thought they could be musicians realize oh my gosh, I'm doing it. And it's like, it's like <laughs> wonderful. Yes, you are doing it because it is possible for everyone. <laughs> so when you hit the two comma club, did you have a party, a celebration, or did you just carry on? Oh yeah, we had a good celebration. Um, Christopher's <laughs> in London, I'm in the US. So he stayed up super late and we both had a bottle of bourbon and met over Zoom just like this. <laughs> Because that's, you know, life in 2022. <laughs> but, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we had uh, a number of drinks together just to, to celebrate that, that achievement that we, we, uh, we got. <laughs> and 
and he'll be at uh, uh, Funnel Hiking Live as well, which- Oh, cool. Awesome. As many years as we've been working together will be the first time that we've actually met face-to-face. Oh, is, is it? Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. So what I usually do with my guests is I go look at their social stats to see how big a following they have. So I looked mm-hmm. up Musical You. Um, Facebook page, I found about 25,000 followers. Yep. Twitter, I found about 700. Right. And then I couldn't really find much else. Is there any other platforms that you use or? We have experimented with every platform. Uh, the Gosh, the Twitter feed. I started that Twitter feed in 2017 and it just never caught fire for us. Uh, Facebook has been our main platform. Yeah, uh, We've done some on Instagram, but really our bread and butter has been email marketing. We've been a direct response marketing company forever. Um, right, so okay. we have a very, very well, uh, well optimized lead magnet that leads into our funnel which leads into just all the stuff we can do in email marketing on the back end. And that's been really our bread and butter is email marketing. All right. Okay. So you said you did the cold ads. So you, did you have a big email list as well then? Like in March, when you said in March, when lockdown happened, did you already have a big email list? Yes. We started with right around 120,000 on our email list. All right. Okay. Okay. And then that's just, and how long had that been building up? Since before I even came to the team, uh, right, Chris, okay. the company's been in business for about 12 years. All uh, right, so okay. we've been building our email list and doing the routine cleanings that you do on your email list, but maintained around 100, 120,000 pretty much since, uh, since as far as I can remember. All right. Okay. Okay. Let's do a little bit of a rewind now. And we're going to go back to your childhood. Ah, okay. <laughs> So what was it like when you were a child? What, what, what did you have a good childhood? I had a fantastic childhood. I grew up and live in a very rural part of Ohio, a farming community. Um, and we're back here now after moving around the country for a little bit. Uh, as far as I can remember, it's early on. I was always the musical kid. Right. I started playing guitar at age nine by age 12 and 13, I was playing in bar bands. Uh, were you? you know, playing in marching bands, you know, high school jazz band, everything. Everything was about music for me. So I was that musical kid. I, I, I remember I had a collection of about 12 or 15 different Metallica t-shirts. I just like rotate <laughs> off the Metallica t-shirt guy in high school. <laughs> um, and so really it's been my whole life. Music. Like two, about 30 was about music. That's really... So what, 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 I did. what was the dream when you was a child? What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I had, I had every MTV dream you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Becoming that rock star, you know, and uh, didn't turn out that way, but you know, that's life. So but, did you uh, go, to, did you go to college? I did. I went to a conservatory of music in Columbus, Ohio, where despite my metal background, I majored in classical trumpet. All right. And, okay. And uh, got a bachelor's in music education and music performance. Uh, so that's that was my my undergrad. Yeah. All right. Okay. So when you left college, what what did you do next? I did the most sensible next thing. I joined the army. Oh, did you? Yes. And what, um, what, how do you go from music to army? Well, if we were uh, just to rewind, that was this was two thousand seven. 
no, 2006. So at that time, the Iraq war was in full swing um, and the army was actively recruiting buglers uh, to do military honors for our fallen. All right. So I was recruited in the, into the military. My first job in the military was just to do that. I was a bugler. I would play taps at military funerals and um, various different military ceremonies. Uh, ended up deploying to Afghanistan for a full year. And my military, yeah, military career ended up taking a bit of a turn after that. But um, yeah, it was be, be, I was a military musician for All the right, first five okay. years of service. Did you enjoy it? I loved every second of it. It was great. So when you decided to leave, what what happened next? What did you what did you plan to do? Well, from military musician, I actually went into the special operations community. I was recruited into special forces, uh, ended up doing eight years of additional time in the service. All right. And this was straight up jumping out of airplanes, repelling out of helicopters, war fighting. I mean, that was it was intense. I did a, another five tours, five combat tours and saw the world. I mean, I went all over the place um wow yeah, that's, it was, it was that's, fun that is a bit of a change isn't it doing yes. the, the, mu <laughs> the music to special forces it was <laughs> yeah that's what the recruiter said too are like are you sure you're up for this i'm like yeah i got this don't worry about it uh by mile you know by, by halfway through the training i was like am i sure about this i don't know because the training was intense it was as you can imagine i mean british sas is about the similar um faction in, in 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 the uk and i ended up working a bit quite a bit with the british and the aussie U sas units uh, they're they're crazy i love them yeah i've watched that they do a program um on tv where they recreate the sas training i don't know yes. if they have it in the america do you have it in the u.s i've seen it yeah yeah it looks it's brutal. all it looks it's all brutal. very familiar oh it, it is <laughs> it, it is brutal but what you get from that to be honest polly you get you get a real sense of what you're really capable of. Like those pain, that pain that you think, you know, like you haven't experienced pain yet. You haven't experienced resilience and what your body and your mind is truly capable of. Yeah. They will, that kind of training will take you to that limit and blow you past it. Because we as humans, we are, we're all super beings. Like we do have this superpower inside of us. And if you ever want to experience it, like, in online business, we experience this all the time because this is not an easy thing that we do, to be honest. This is not easy. And if you ever want to really experience what you're really capable of, I mean, go go that route or start an <laughs> online business. It's about the same thing, to be honest. The mental resilience it, it requires, you know, bootstrapped entrepreneur, army special forces, it's about it's about hand in hand, to be honest. <laughs> Do they, do they, you know, in the training, do they, at the end of that SAS on the TV, they make them put those uh, headphones on and listen to white noise and babies screaming and all of that. Did they make you do that sort of training? It was very similar, um, except it wasn't headphones. How graphic do I want to be on a podcast? Oh, we can edit out if needed. Uh, <laughs> they, they stripped us naked and threw us in a cell. Right. That was about maybe four foot by four foot. And the speakers were blaring. Really? And how long was I in that cell? I have no idea. They took our watches away. Uh, but it had to be eight to 12 hours of just 
babies screaming and I was already a father at the time and it was brutal to go through that and did um we are you all in there together or are you on your own you're on your own for that oh is it and how many people did did people leave you know like quit from that uh the dropout rate's huge is it um I'd say we started with about 240 candidates and graduated maybe 45 50 Oh wow. So that's that is a massive awesome achievement in itself, isn't it? Really? Yeah, well, it was <laughs> it was fun and I got all sorts of military stuff behind me as you can see. Uh to be honest, I just when I look back on it, I just see it as it was my honor and it was what I was meant to do in that time and I carry it as just a a badge of honor that yeah. I was able to do that and I was Definitely. able to to be a part of that organization. Yeah. So when you came out, what happened next? What did you, so, did you have a plan? I had a loose plan. Actually, I met Christopher at Musical U. I, was, I had a year left in, but I had gotten injured. And so I was stuck homebound for about three months recovering from a, a broken ankle. All right. And that was when I met Christopher. Okay. Was, How did was, you meet him? He was hiring for a social media manager position on Upwork. All right. Okay. And did, you have, uh, all, did you did you have an Upwork account then? Were you actively? I was looking. Yeah, I knew I had done a bit of online work to that point, and I knew I loved it because I had no. The okay for all things I love about the military, what I don't like about the military is the bureaucracy of it. Right. And having to ask so much permission for everything. Yeah. And and I started doing some online stuff. I was like, wait a minute! I just came up with an idea this morning and I implemented it two hours later. That's crazy. I loved it. I fell in love with it from day one. The I love that quick action, have an idea, great, implement it, see if it works mentality of the online bootstrapped entrepreneur. Yeah. So I was like, this is who I want to work with. And Christopher had an ad out for a social media manager. I applied, got the job, and it was very part-time at that point. So I was still active duty military and working maybe like 10 to 15 hours a week for Christopher uh, for that first year or so before I was, my, my departure from the military was coming up. Right. And at that point he hired me full-time. So what did you do? What was your job then doing the social media? You had no experience of social media. None. No. <laughs> no, was... Did Christopher know that? He did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He trust. Why did he trust you? Uh, actually we went over this a couple weeks ago is, uh, <laughs> it was the trust in that from my background, he knew I was teachable. He right, knew that okay. I, I was someone that would take the training that would, if he threw an online class in front of me, I digest it and implement it and followed the directions that I was given. And so it was a lot of just learning by, you know, learning by learning. All right, <laughs> Seeing okay. what other people were doing by that point i'd already found dots cotton secrets and read it about three times and just kind of paying attention to what was going on in the environment and listening to a lot of podcasts and learning everything as i went all right okay so how did you come across dot com secrets oh my gosh it had to be when i first got into marketing podcasts so it was either 
I have no, I have no recollection to be honest. It just kind of fell across my desk. Okay. I got another question. And how did you get into marketing podcasts from being in the army? So when I was in the army, I got the, the army will send you to school uh, for free. All right. Okay. And so, so I had a bachelor's of music education. I got an MBA in marketing. All right. Okay. While you were in the army. Well, I was in the army because I had this like this idea that I'd go out and be work for a Fortune 500 company, wear a suit to work every day. That that didn't last long. Um, <laughs> but I knew I wanted to do marketing because a lot of what I did in the military was actually kind of social marketing. It was uh, a, a special branch of special forces called psychological warfare. So we were doing a lot of influence already, a lot of persuasion tactics. So I kind of fell in love with the idea of marketing. But I, once I started doing some of the online things, I'm like, yeah, that big business corporate stuff, that's not for me. Wait, Facebook ads? Holy cow, that sounds cool because it's, it's in my power and it's in my control. And so that kind of led me down the online route. And then once I started listening to podcasts, I, I think one of the first ones I found was Rick Mulready. And then like that led to Amy Porterfield, James Wedmore, and like once that rabbit hole is open, you kind of go down it. Yeah. And I think that's what ultimately led me to Russell. And once the ClickFunnels universe was open to me, it's like, well, I found home. Here we go. <laughs> so when you started working with Christopher, you were already in the ClickFunnels world. You already knew about ClickFunnels and all of that. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you start? What year are we talking then when you started working with Christopher? Initially, it was 2017. All right. Okay. And did you then, when did you introduce ClickFunnels to Christopher? Oh, he already knew about it. Yeah. Oh, did he? All right. Yeah. Okay. He went to Funnel Hacking Live in Nashville in, what was that, 2019, I believe. All right. Okay. But he had already known. I mean, Christopher is a very well-read person and Actually, he came to the to ClickFunnels through Dan Kennedy. He knew about Dan Kennedy before the Dan Kennedy-Russell collaboration happened. And so it was actually Dan that led Christopher to Russell. Right, which okay. Is, which is like the reverse of what most of, most of us have done. But uh, So did uh, was he already using ClickFunnels? At, was he already using Funnels then when you came on board? We weren't because at that time we were just running a membership to, right. to Musical U. So we were running a lot of that through our CRM, which was, uh, which is Infusionsoft. Uh, that really controlled most of uh, what we did when we started introducing courses in addition to our membership. That's when we made the transition to ClickFunnels. All right. Okay. So that was in March of 2020. Is that right? We had been on ClickFunnels for about a year already prior to that. All right, March okay. of 2020 is where we began our quest for the, the two comma club. All right. Okay. So was that a new, was that new, a new course? It wasn't. That course had been around for about 18 months already. So we had right. already done a lot of split testing on the sales page, on the pitch, um, and indeed a couple of revisions on the course itself. So the, everything was pretty well optimized by the time we got to that point. It's just a matter of finding that right price point that converted at a really high rate. And then Moving forward with not only the ads and the funnel itself, but the, all the backend stuff that had to happen to support the, the increase in volume was the biggest part of really where, where I came into uh, 
in my support of the overall initiative. Uh, early on, Christopher decided if we're going to do this, like we need to have clear delineations where he was going to be in charge of the ads and the funnels itself. I was going to manage everything else. I was going to manage the team, fulfillment, any other random things that come along the way was all going to be in my camp. And by being able to have that clear delineation, each of us was able to focus on our areas of uh, priority and have then the, the bandwidth to support one another. So that's that's how we decided to do it early on. All right. Okay. And what, when you first, when you did the first funnel before you were decided to go on the goal quest of the two comma club, what, what did the first funnel look like? How many funnels do you think you built before you got the winning one? Every bit of 15 to 20 different funnels. Right. Okay. And did you, I know a lot of people, they have loads of funnels all going at the same time. Whereas Russell says you should just have one and focus on one. Did you right. just, did you just focus on one or did you have a couple running at the same time? Or No, we had multiple things running concurrently where the foundations course, which ultimately got us to two comma club is one of our courses. Right. We had another five courses plus a membership uh, that were all running concur concurrently. So it was about supporting our initiative for the foundations course while also simultaneously supporting everything else musical you was doing. And by that point we had, we had already had two or uh, eight to 10,000 members in our various courses. All right. Okay. So there's a lot of balancing between managing everything for the funnel for our main uh, entry point, plus everything else that was going on in the back end. So what was the biggest struggles that you came up against? Ooh, the biggest <laughs> struggle I'd say initially was managing the team. Be because one thing that we've done at Musical U is the idea that in music education, you shouldn't be alone. You should have support mechanisms available to you. We built that into our platform where there are discussion boards on every single one of our lessons where people can reach out for support from our team. Managing those discussion boards in a way that was scalable was the first real thing that came across my desk when I realized I had my team spread three ways from Sunday and no one really knew where to concentrate their efforts. Right. So that was really the first major hurdle was organizing the team's recurring support task in a way where it was manageable from the individual desk perspective, and then was also making sure that everyone that needed support was receiving the support that they needed. So a lot of communication, a lot of, a uh, lot of, uh, what well, we use Asana for our, our project management. I was going to say, how, of, do you, how do you, how do you manage yeah. it with the team? Asana. It was a, Asana based where everyone would have their clear areas of responsibility within the membership site and managing that area of responsibility and making sure that parts of the site were covered at least six days a week. That was really on my desk to make sure I was allocating my team resources and not spreading anyone too thin or really stressing anyone out. So how big, how big is the team? Uh, currently eight full-time and another 12 part-time contractors. All right. Okay. And are you are, are you spread out across the world, or is it mainly are they mainly in London, UK, or I know you're in the US, but musical yeah, use in London, isn't it? Well, we've been remote since we started. Yeah. Um. The, the team has always been spread worldwide. 
So our team is spread from London to New Zealand. All and, right. Uh, okay. So yeah, managing different time zones. <laughs> time zones are the bane of my existence, Polly, be honest. <laughs> so what about your customers? Are they all over the world as well? They are, yeah. All right, okay. So when you first started running your ads, who did you? what t- countries did you target first? Uh, we mainly targeted the countries where we've had the most success. So the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, and uh, Germany, and then a couple like Switzerland, a couple other countries in the U- EU, which have a good pre- uh, predominance of English speakers. Right. Okay. Okay. So have you thought, has there ever been a time where you thought about giving up on what you were doing? It was too <laughs> stressful. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just reading traffic secrets again and, uh, uh, Russell talks about the Xano slap. Yeah, we got we got the Xano slap pretty good in 2021 when everything changed of, over iOS and how ads were yeah. performing and everything. Yeah. And we just saw that change of the ad platform just hit us hard. It really did. It made us have to change a lot of things really quickly and expand and move into not just Facebook ads, but also YouTube ads, Google ads, um, just really expand our reach and try different things. That was probably the most frustrating time was when suddenly everything changed again. (laughs) So what, what did you find was most difficult? Was it finding your audience then? Uh, It was was more of maintaining a consistent, maintaining a consistent, uh, at least break even point on the front end of the funnel. Right. Okay. What about um, TikTok? Are you on TikTok? We haven't gotten into TikTok at this point. I know it's been on Christopher's mind, but with as many competing priorities as we had, it was not a priority. <laughs> oh, we'll have to convince him to get on TikTok. <laughs> well, I know. I just registered for your your free course. I, I did All register right. for that yesterday. I started taking that. So any- shameless plug, take Polly's free TikTok course. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you're scared of in the future now? What scares you? Mm, what scares me? I'd say the only thing that brings me concern as of today, 14 September 2022 <laughs> is the overall state of the world economy and um what are we going to reach a point where extra money becomes a luxury and people yeah. are no longer able to spend money on their passion projects on things that are not necessarily just for entertainment but for that pure self fulfillment or yeah. are, are people going to go into survival mode um and it's not just the U.S., obviously. It's kind of a worldwide phenomenon with inflation and things just being amiss. Uh, I think that's the biggest concern I have. Um, and we'll just see how that how that evens out. But I, I think it'd be a shame if people gave up on their passions because of, you know, market forces. So yeah, that's... definitely, definitely. So apart from being in the SAS, apart from getting a two-comma club, What's been your biggest achievement so far in your entrepreneurial work, social, your life so far? 
I think my biggest achievement has been the fact that the engine behind Musical U, what runs Musical U, what fulfills our products, what fulfills our promotions, is at this point a well-oiled machine. It's a system that I built. It's uh, what I like to call a common operational picture where everyone is on the same page. We're all operating from that same wavelength. And it got, it's so systematized that I was able to offload 99% of my job to someone that I was able to train up to take over for me. And the system kept working. You done yourself think, out of a job then. I did. <laughs> I did. I worked myself out of a job and it was one of the best things I've ever done because yeah. now I'm in a position where I can help other entrepreneurs do that same thing, which is I actually, I left my full-time employment at Musical U nine days ago. Oh, right. Okay. Very That's recent then. Very, very recently. And I'll be at Funnel Hacking Live next week, which by the time everyone hears this will be long past, but that's okay. <laughs> but being able to create a machine that runs the company where I could hand things over and leave with a just a full heart and confidence that things are going to keep on going, that gave me so much pride. And the person that I trained up to replace me is amazing. And I know she's going to just rock and just take what I built and only do better with it. To be able to do that, there's not a lot of organizational methods that can do that. Uh, to be able to just hand things over, to know that the success of a company is not built into a person, but is built into a system. Yeah. And I, I'm really proud of that. That's awesome. So, so what moving forward now then, how are you, have you got uh, all your funnels planned on how you're going to promote your system? Uh, it's a work in progress for sure. <laughs> right now it's it's centered around one-to-one -one coaching uh, to help me really refine my product. So I actually met with my first one-to-one -one coach this morning. So like I said, this is all very, very new, like classic bootstrap entrepreneur. Exciting. Move fast. It's exciting stuff. So yeah. is, there, um, is there a particular type of person or company who would benefit from what you do now? I'm firmly niched into the online education industry. Um, that's what I know. That's what I love. I'm, I'm an educator at heart. I always will be. Um, and I, if you want to become, uh, can I curse on this show? Sure. If, if that's what comes out. Yeah. If you join my program, you follow me, I'll make you into operate an operational badass. That's, <laughs> that's my, my mantra. And, you know, it's kind of what I live. If you, follow this method, like you will own operations and own it in a way that is real and will enable you to move fast with a with, with teammates that are willing to just follow you. Not because you're in charge, not because they know you're the boss, but because you're a leader. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so such a big fan of strong leaders and just being able to inspire people and, and, to have them follow you. It's it's such a wonderful feeling to have a team around you to say, what are we doing, boss? And to know that they got your back and you got theirs. Yeah. That's awesome. It's it, I think it's surprising how many companies don't have systems and processes in place. Right. And, and larger companies who you think should have them, they just don't have them. It, it baffles me sometimes when I, they don't have these systems and they're just a mess. They need you. <laughs> well, a lot of that is there's kind of like there's different schools of thought. 
Uh, to be honest, I got this MBA and it did not prepare me at all for this because an MBA assumes that you're working at Fortune 500 company that already has these mechanisms built. But there's really no one teaching you how to build the mechanisms. Really, the best thing that we have at the bootstrapped entrepreneur level is the the integrator model. Yeah. But that is still dependent on a person. Mm. And once and, and and for whatever it's worth, that's where that's been the evolution of my role at Musical U, where I was an integrator for a while. But the 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 pain point of that model is eventually the weight becomes too heavy for one person to bear. You can only, I mean, this is science speaking, uh, one person can only manage five to seven people. Once you move past that five to seven person mark, it becomes too much for one person to effectively manage. So you have to be able to distribute le leadership, distribute ownership and responsibility. And there's very few systems that really teach you how to do that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a damn shame, but um, it's the reality of where we are, but there's a market opportunity there for sure. And uh, yeah, I looked to uh, seize on that. I can't wait to find out how it goes. So your focus for the next 12 months, What what's your mission on finding your customers for this then? Yeah, my mission really, I, I've, I've started a podcast myself. It's share, share, share. Um, I'm on episode, I just recorded episode 32 of my own podcast. It's called the Smooth Operator Podcast. And uh, it's still a little bit raw, but uh, as Russell said in, I think it was Expert Secrets, like he really didn't know what he was doing in marketing in your car <laughs> until about episode 46. So I'm, I'm following that model where it's like, yeah, I know I'm going to find my voice really soon, but I'm pretty proud of the product at this point. Um, yeah, it's get it in front of as many people as possible and definitely a servant leadership mentality of however many people I can help, uh, help get into their business, get my hands on on what they're doing and help eliminate some of the pain points that I felt along the way. Uh, and just, there's so much good things that can happen in, in with what our companies are doing, these real passion based companies. I, it's, I can't help myself. I just want to jump in <laughs> and talk to as many people as possible. <laughs> awesome. So I have one last question for you. Yeah. If you were going to be an animal for 24 hours, what would you be and why? Oh my gosh. Animal for 24 hours. I think I like to be a dog. Okay. Dogs are the coolest creatures ever. Like they're just loyal. Yeah. I I got my, my pooch is over there and she will not come to me when I'm on the computer because she knows she won't get attention. <laughs> um what I how I identify with dogs is dogs are the most loyal creature there is. And I've, my highest quality, my highest trait has always been loyalty. Uh, if you commit to something, you got to be loyal to it. So I think that's probably why I identify with dogs so much. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with me. It's been awesome. If you, any Mom. of our listeners want to find out more about what you're doing next, how can they find you? Yes, uh, just find me on the on the web. It's www.adamliette.com. That's A-D-A-M-L-I-E-T-T-E.com. Uh, just click on podcast at the top. That's the best way to, to get to my podcast. Uh, we're on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and um, Google. So follow along to the podcast. It's really the best way to, to hear a bit more about my worldview and the, the different um, things that I, I like to teach. Thank you very much.
Thank you, Polly. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please take a moment to leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast software. It really helps us rank the podcast and get more listeners. And if you're over on YouTube, please subscribe and hit the bell. Every Friday, 8am GMT, we release a brand new episode. And until then, have a good one.